Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John Cunningham is a friend of mine and a brother in Christ, and he can help you with financial decisions and future planning. He's been a big help to me and my family, and I commend him to you. You can reach him at 205-913-1720. I am so thankful you're here, so let's get started. I am just so grateful that you've joined today. I hope you find this helpful. If you're someone who's been struggling to do the things that you know are right, maybe from a Bible perspective, you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing or saying, or maybe on the opposite end, you know exactly what you aren't supposed to be doing or saying, and then something just wells up inside of you and it feels like it overtakes your ability to control it, and you falter in the same ways over and over again. If that in any way describes your life as it has described mine, today's topic, Surrender and Fight, has been recorded just for you. So before we dig into those two things that seem like they don't fit together but actually fit perfectly, I want to say this about today's episode. To me, it represents the third part in a series. You don't have to go back and listen to the last two weeks in order to get the point today and put some important ideas into action, but it really feels like all three of them have fit together and culminated in the points we'll make today. Two weeks ago, we did some Bible study in John 18. The episode was titled, What is Truth?, the question that Pilate asked Jesus, and we broke that into three pieces. There were the Pharisees who refused to ask the question. They were so prideful, and I certainly hope that does not describe you or me. Then we looked at Pilate, who was open to ideas beyond his understanding, but he did not diligently seek conclusions. He left with unanswered questions, and ultimately, instead of standing up for Jesus, he delivered him over. But it's that third character I want to remind you about today, Peter. Peter knew Jesus. Peter had asked the question, what is true? He had listened to Jesus answer it for three years. He had absolute conviction. He knew that denying Jesus was the wrong thing. And then he did it anyway. I wish I could tell you that I don't identify with that at all, but I do. There are so many things about the way I use my time or the way I control my speech or the things that I think about where I could tell you book, chapter, and verse, the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do. I'm fully convinced. And yet, not unlike Peter, something just happens. Maybe it's environmental overload or some emotional response within me that feels like it floods the room and drowns my good intentions. We want to talk about how to overcome that today, but it started with that study a couple of weeks ago. Then we came back with the social dilemma, and we started entertaining this idea that maybe technology, cell phones, artificial intelligence, 
maybe we have allowed them to be positioned in our lives to where they are overwhelming our own weaknesses. Maybe I know where I'm weak and I commit to doing better, but the technology around me is so smart in the ways of the world that it can overwhelm me and I'm not strong enough. So I guess you could say that last week's episode was a specific instance of the Peter-like mistake. Of course, Peter grew through that. He got better. He started honoring his convictions more consistently, and part of that was change in environment and greater understanding, and I think that's true with the social dilemma. We can remove the dilemma from the equation with a few changes, a better attitude, and as we will discuss today, maybe a complete renovation of our spirit. Ooh, that sounded super dramatic. What does that look like? Well, I'll say this to you. Changing your environment, taking Facebook off your cell phone, putting passcodes on your computer, walking outside for two minutes when you get angry, that's all super great, really useful stuff. But maybe you've noticed that without the right spirit, the right heart, the right level of surrender to God and fight for what you believe in, sourced in your very core, those things sometimes end up being band-aids. They can help you through an emotional situation every once in a while, but it's not the kind of solution that changes who you are. And that's what I'm out to do today. That's what the rest of this episode is about when it comes to those emotional impulses, when it comes to the temptation for those bad habits or that overwhelmed feeling. Let's stop treating the symptoms. Let's stop getting lucky and every once in a while we do right. Let's become something better. Let's become someone knitted to God in a way that draws from his power and uses it, him, to assert victory. So listen, this is pretty personal for me. I put an all-out assault on my weaknesses earlier this year. I tried everything imaginable to figure out the right combination to control the words that I speak, to control the usage of my time, to control carnal impulses. And it came down to two words that don't sound like they go together. Surrender and fight. To the extent that I do one of these, things do get better, but not entirely and not consistently. And I started to blame the thing I was trying as powerless or a waste of time when in truth, I just needed to put the two together. So here's where we begin. Surrender to God. This is an emotional experience. It involves prayer. Personal, emotional, deep, consistent prayer. It involves lowering all the guards, moving from behind all of the defenses, it removes every excuse and you just pour yourself out to God and say, I surrender to you. I give my life to you. Every word that comes out of my mouth is yours. Every choice that I make 
belongs to you and your glory. We have to get rid of the words that start with self, selfishness, self-serving, self-loathing, whatever. That makes it all about me. And I've already determined that I'm not strong enough if it's just me. I need to empty myself and invite God to fill me up. You and I both need to go to God more often saying, Lord, I invite your Holy Spirit in whatever way he works to influence me. I invite him to renovate my spirit. God, I am asking your son to be my king, to be my leader, and to be my protector. Father, I am looking to you as my creator. You made me, and you made me for your glory. This is not about me. When you and I start to understand that everything we are and have and every purpose that lies within us is about the glory of God, and we get the focus off of our own carnal desires, we can begin to understand who we really are. Servants of God, soldiers of God, vessels of the work of God, tools of the Holy Spirit. And when this begins to happen, this full surrender, we begin to look at all of those carnal temptations, whether it's lust or anger or laziness, we begin to see those as feeble attempts by the enemy to lure me away from the power and protection of my Creator. I need you to understand, no consistent victory in your life can take place for God until you have decided that you have died to the ways of the world and the allurements of the flesh, and now, like in Galatians 2, you live the rest of your life like you should have lived all of it for God and to prepare to meet Him. This begins to change our understanding even of the things that God has done for us. I taught a lesson a week or two ago at Lindale called To the Praise of His Glory, and I started with four things God has done for you. God made you. God gave you relationships. God gave His Son to die for you, and God has prepared a heavenly place for you. Doesn't that sound great? It is great, and it's worth rejoicing in, but it kind of makes it sound like everything God has ever done is about you, and that's unhealthy because we begin to serve our own interests even when they aren't good ones. But in Ephesians 1, God says, I did all of this to the praise of my glory. I made you to worship me. I gave you relationships to serve and honor me. I sent my son to die for you, to prepare a holy people in my honor. And I have offered you a place in heaven forever that you might enjoy the benefits as you worship me. It takes full surrender to accept the things that I just said, that every part of our lives are about him. Pray like that. Surrender to God, a full giving over of yourself to him. After all, in the end, everyone will know that we were all his all along. All right, so here's some bad news. I'd been doing that for months, journaling about it. In the Asking Beautiful Questions section, I was asking for his control, for his spirit, for his will, for him to take me over and redirect my life to his purposes. And a few things changed, but not enough 
and not consistently. And then one night in prayer, it hit me. I've been praying for God to fill me up as if I would be some puppet and he would do all of the work through me as if somehow because I had invited him in, he would fight all my battles. He won't. He doesn't. And he didn't. I must fight. The truth is, when I invite God and surrender all to Him, He fills me with hope and joy and peace. He surrounds me with protection and knowledge and opportunities. But in Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible didn't say of people of God that God will equip you with a sword and a shield and body armor and then He will take over your muscles and strike down the adversary. Oh no. When we have surrendered to God, we let Him equip us for the fight. I wasn't fighting for it. When I felt those emotions stirring up in me of anger, when I was driving down the road or something, road rage, I thought, well, God has taken over my life. He will stop this from turning into a tailgate session. But he didn't. He wanted me to do that. He equipped me to do that, and I wasn't fighting for it. The truth is, without God, we could never win a single fight. That's the point of Ephesians chapter 6, the spiritual warfare of the devil, the temptations of the flesh, the fiery arrows, you have no shot. But when God is allowed to equip you and guide you and strengthen you, you can do it, but you must do it. And that was the change I made. I surrendered to God, and now I was ready to fight for what I believed in. The first time I was tempted to sit on the couch and scroll through social media instead of going and playing a game with my kids, I told myself, no, this is a battlefield moment. God has prepared me for a time like this. I will choose. I will choose to close this computer and walk in there, and I did it. The first time someone was unfair to me and treated me poorly, I identified that as a battlefield moment. God has prepared me for this moment. I've been praying about this moment. God is all around me, and he's working through me, and it's my time to do something with that. It was a battle, not between that person and me, but between the devil and God, and I was ready to fight for the winning side. If you're someone who battles immorality, we talk about things like lust and pornography fairly regularly here. First, you've got to go to God and completely surrender. Give yourself entirely over your body, your eyes, all of you over to God. But if you think the temptation will go away because you've called on the name of the Lord, you will be sorely disappointed. Instead, you are now ready for this moment when you feel that temptation boiling up inside of you, when you feel those images beginning to reshape the direction of your mind, you say, it's time to fight. I'm equipped for it. And when you do, you can have victory in that moment. God will be with you in that victory. And what comes out of that is courage and confidence, and you keep fighting and you become someone. You don't just close the computer one time. You take a step to becoming someone who fights for what you believe in. And what you believe in is the will of God. I'm sorry if I'm getting riled up here. If you could see my hands flailing all about in this closet, you'd really think that was something. But I've gone from anger and disappointment and thinking, God, 
Why isn't this working? I've been praying and asking and reading and thinking and really trying to purely give my life to you, and I just keep falling. But when I started to work on the grit scale, there's an old reference you might go back to to an episode last year, grit, courage in that circumstance, ready to feel some pain and stand. I saw that God was with me, God is with me, and everything changed. Does it work every time? You know that it doesn't. We fail, we falter, and we sin. And he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins when we confess. But I'll put it to you like this. You can't make it with just one of these. If you surrender to God and you refuse to fight, you will fail. If you refuse to surrender to God and just start fighting all of these things with your own abilities, you will definitely fail. When both of them are on your mind at the same time, surrender and fight. I live for God, body, mind, and soul, and I'm ready to make hard decisions, even in the face of chemical reactions. You will be victorious. The problem is both of these things are not always on our minds. The devil's very crafty. He wants to find you at a time where you aren't thinking about surrender to God. Or he wants to pick a time where you're tired and you don't have the fight. And sometimes we forget to keep these things fresh. And so I'm challenging you to do that this week. Everything you face at home, in your family, by yourself, at work, in the car, surrender and fight. Pray to God emotionally and thoroughly. And when you say, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, you stand soldier strong. And the devil, fighting a soldier in the army of Christ, will never stand a chance. All right, so I only have about a minute left, and I want to give you a couple of practical things to do. So on the surrender side, when you are opening up to God and inviting Him, consider praying like this. Father, let the Holy Spirit have full dominion over me, in my home, in my temper, in every word of my tongue, in every thought of my heart, in every feeling toward my fellow man. Let the Holy Spirit have entire possession. That's a quote from a book I'm reading written in 1895, and I really like it. And then on the fight side, do you think you can anticipate your weakest moments? Whatever it is that you keep getting beat by, do you know when those things happen? In a given day, when are you most likely to be lethargic or angry or immoral? I want you to gear up for that. I want you to say, here we go. I know what's coming. I know what's next. God is in me and with me, and I'm ready. Make it an event, an important event, because that's what it is. Every time we are honored with the chance to prove to God the depths of our faith through surrender and fight. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the program, please remember to share with your family and your friends. Also, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for emails, order the three-month journals, or just catch up on old episodes. So until next time, let me leave you with this. Whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.